This is Shayna. And this is Chris. And we are Bad Queers. If you came out of the closet and got put in a box of stereotypes you don't belong to, as always, welcome back to the Bad Queers Club. Yeah, welcome, you guys. We're going to jump right into the queer urban dictionary term this week. My term is studsbin. 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 Like, yep. Just like it sounds. Like, like husband, but studsbin? Mm-hmm. Wait for okay. this definition. A masculine of thinner lesbian who is bae or that you refer to as or think of as your, um, the breeder term, husband. Studsbin. Used in a sentence. She better back away from my studsman. Studsman. Shana, what is wow. your term? Okay. Uh, my term, queer urban dictionary term of the week is outing. S- exposing someone's LGBTQ plus identity to others without their permission. This can also be used as outed in a sentence, and that's how I'm going to use it. Uh, my coworker was outed to our boss, and he ended up quitting because of it. Mm-mm-mm horrible yeah i i just want to rewind back to yours because i have never ever heard of studsbend Hmm. does your wife refer to you as a studsbend uh no not actively but uh i I think that you want to be referred to as studsbend no um you know i i said it a couple episodes ago uh the diet stud is my kind of my lane there studsbend is a little a little too strong okay um no, but I know it is a it's a term out there for the kiddos, and uh, yes, studsman, studsman. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I Stutzman. cannot. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm just I'm gonna. Yeah, tell you know how we do. You know how I'm we do. Tell your wife to try and use that one time and see what happens. There's also, um, and you know, this will probably be uh, defined in a, in the coming weeks. But you know, there's zaddy out there. There's statty as well, which is you know. Probably not the, it's, it's an un, unwed studsman is a statty. Would think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can explore that for next week's <laughs> exactly. if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> an unwed statty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> statty tells. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get it into current events. What you got, Shana? Okay. My first story I came across from Blavity and I love it. So black, gay, disabled judge has been appointed to the Washington State Supreme Court, making it the most diverse in U.S. history. Her name is Grace Helen, I think it's Whitener. I'm going to say Whitener because it's spelled like white and then N-E-R. So I'm going to say Whitener. She's originally from Trinidad and she moved to the U.S. for an education and is a major advocate for diversity. Now, this boss woman... And in this title of the article only says the black, gay, and disabled part. And then you add in the immigrant part and that she's a woman and a badass. Like, what she is, like, if this were to go back in time to when people were creating the American dream, this would be what the American dream looked like, is to have this type of representation come through in a high court and her coming in here and her main stances are for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I'm like, wow, it's very heartwarming and wonderful. And you don't hear it often to hear a judge actually say that that is the importance of it. You know, you come into a courtroom and you don't feel great with a judge that doesn't look like you, has no part of your experience. And now she has spoken out about how she wants to make the courtroom a space that you do feel comfortable, even though it's not always for the best of reasons. And 
she's literally like the Maya Angelou of the courtroom. And I say mm. this because in her video that I watched about her talking about goals that she has and things, her voice sounds literally like if Maya Angelou was from Trinidad. Like, oh, wow. that's where it was. And it's wow. that soothing and that wonderful as she talks. And I'm like, I just want to hear you speak and say words. And she is just like Maya Angelou in the fact that she is dripping with equal parts knowledge and compassion, uh, which is awesome. And so even though we're celebrating and highlighting this amazing story, the heartbreaking thing is that her tale also reminds us how even though she has this boss title that she is still subject to discrimination and goes on to tell a story about how she went to enter the courtroom building and got stopped by security and wouldn't let her through and tried to get her to go through all of these invasive things and she refused and told him to call a supervisor. And she was like, and of course, the supervisor recognized who I was. My picture was hanging behind the security on the wall. And it's like, what else do you have to do? You have your face hanging in the wall and you're still gonna come in on, like, who's she attacking? She's an older, black, gay, judge, disabled, all of these things. Like, who is, she, who is she coming for? What was the point? And what were you gaining? And so it just talks about how many strides need to happen. Like, great job, Washington, for making a more inclusive courtroom. And some of the other people that they have are also uh, Native American and all of these different things that I quickly read over. But it's also like, yes, a million steps forward, but then you just have these interactions that keep us stepping back. And I'm just like, ugh, but I'm going to pay attention to her and it's going to get me more into politics because she is doing all of those things. So shout out her. to Washington for just their commitment to diversity with that and, um, and to her for being an inspiration. It is sometimes annoying that we still have all these firsts, but um, still just important and inspiring. And it's, great to have somebody that does sit on that side of um, that branch of government that actually has experience with diverse uh, populations and has and brings a unique um, living experience. I think a lot of our civil servants and everything are usually rich people that <laughs> never really lived life or no struggle. Um, mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to connect to the commoners as ourselves. But yeah, like, love love this love to see more of this and hopefully again you know this this pops up in different uh different states across the union and and the world you know just making sure that these people are sitting in these high positions um and and can uh, do their their job uh, amazingly so that's a cool story i'm gonna transition into some mess because i'm bringing the mess today Bring the mess. Uh, so my story is about Andre Leon Talley, former editor at large of Vogue, longtime friend of Anna Wintour, who is the editor of Vogue and um, what the movie Devil Wears Prada is uh, based off of. Andre is writing a tell-all book. It's a memoir uh, that will be out in September called The Chiffon Trenches, uh, appropriately Ooh. named. Um, but... Andre lays it out. Andre lays out uh, his relationship, friendship with Anna Wintour over the, the past couple decades, how that started. And ooh, he is telling all um, some of the like in uh, a good way, in a bad way and a bad way for her, but also in an honest way, because it's, you know, a lot of the, you know, what I read in this article that is from the Daily Mail was a lot of obviously the passages that are messy and uh, him being honest. But Andre also at the end of it kind of gets to 
just being hurt as a person because, you know, they've had this friendship for a number of years and apparently, allegedly, Anna is, uh, has kind of cut him off because he feels like he's uncool and fat and just like, you know, kind of brushed away um, because she has no need for him. So he really does at least kind of own up to some of the bitterness that could kind of come out in these passages, but just telling his truth. But um, yeah, it's just super interesting. I know it's going to be, I'm going to read it um, because it's just going to be uh, about his, his life and his journey as um, well, the first black man uh, that was editor at large of a ma- uh, major uh, magazine um, and his, just his queer journey. But the mess is also just a big part of it. You know, uh, <laughs> a lot of some of the patches, passages, I'll read this. Andre says that Anna is immune to anyone other than the powerful and famous who populate the pages of Vogue. He wonders when she goes home at night and is alone, is she miserable? Does she feel alone before calling her ruthless? Um, and he would, he would still love, and this is the vulnerable part where I thought like, okay, this is, you know, it's not going to just be a tell all messy book, but, um, he just really wants her to say something that's human and sincere to him. Mm -hmm. He says he has a huge emotional and psychological scars from his relationship with this tower, towering, excuse me, words matter, an influential woman. So it's a, it's definitely going to be some mess, but also just really vulnerable and open you know, with this, this man who was friends with this powerful person uh, for all these years. So uh, that comes out in September, uh, Andre Leon Talley's memoir called The Chiffon Trenches. So that's my messy topic of the week and all that. But yeah, it's everybody. A title. It also, is a title. I love Andre Leon Talley. And I feel like all of the people who used to watch America's Next Top Model and the few times mm-hmm. that he like came on and guest starred on there and all of that are just going to like flock to this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's just as, I mean, obviously not as big as Anna Wintour, but he, you know, always was a mystery to me. You know, I knew that this black gay man that, you know, uh, dressed all fierce and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's been a, a figure in my life for a while where it's just like, wow, this, you know, fabulous queer man, like, just would like to hear what he has to say and just even his journey and story, you know, he knows some mess um, has lived through and been friends with a lot of people in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the memoir. So we'll see. It comes out in September. Amazing. Look at this black excellence coming through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for um, sure. So the show Vita is mm. coming to an end. Our, Another one bites the dust. I'm just so sick of hearing about these awesome, amazing shows that highlight queer people of color and it just gets shut down after a short amount of time. So Vita is this amazing show that highlights the Chicanx and Latinx communities. And it's just like, it's, a, it's like a beautiful queer love letter with a bit of mess sprinkled mm-hmm. in, but a lot of great stuff. Um, and so if you haven't watched Vita, it is a drama series about two Mexican-American siblings from East L.A. And so you got a party girl. Her name is Lynn. She lives in the Bay Area, just living her best life, being carefree. And she couldn't be more different or distanced from her sister, with whom she has no relationship. But then a death happens in their family and it forces them to move back to home. I don't know if they move back. I think they just like go home. And that's where they have to, you know, bring about all these feelings and learn a lot of surprising truths about their mom. And so it goes through a whole list of love and intimacy and grief, but like just this 
beautiful Latinx love story that you mm-hmm. just see more of. And they have like masculine presenting, feminine presenting, all mix of everything. And it's just like just being in, it's almost like I feel like this is reminiscent of one day at a time where it was like, hey, there's this great story. And then, sorry, we're going to go. And it's more annoying that like, I think the first season only had about six episodes. And the second season mm. had 10. And now they're like, oh, you can finish out this season, but we're going to give you less budget and we're going to take you back down to like six episodes again. So I'm like, did you even really give them a chance? Because more other, like, other shows have started with more episodes than this. And I just, I'm just very sad. I'm very yes. sad about it. Six I is a little lean. Right. That's hella lean. Like, that was, I mean, Game of Thrones fans. You only had like six episodes in that last season after <laughs> your whole life. So I would think that people would understand what a lean episode looks like. Yeah. And that's it. That's bad. Well, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't heard of this show. So I was going to question the marketing for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime. Not enough. Uh, not enough. Not enough, clearly. Yeah. And it's just difficult now. It's like a great time for creators, obviously, but also one of the hardest because there's just so much content out like daily and just like that pops up and that is presented and, and it's interesting what you know different production studios or streaming platforms will promote to you obviously some of it is algorithm based but um yeah like i i hadn't heard of this show until you just brought it up um and right. now it's it's leaving um so yeah so now uh, you have time to go back and watch they have they still have to put out their last season so do that and i really hope that it gets picked up by another streaming platform or another branded platform yeah we need a queer streaming platform too that just where it's like it's gonna be home to these these great series and everything so or you know or just um what do they call it uh syndication for some of the the other series that are out like if a pose were to live there or Mm -hmm. some of these other but we do need a queer streaming platform where you know it for the creators and also just for the shows that we love and and we'll have a home so that's free idea for anybody out there would love we're, we're giving out all these free ideas we are we i mean like a consulting Jesus agency Christ. for just like free right. ideas. you get started <laughs> it's just a little portion support right. the queer community in that way that's it that's all we're asking we're here if you build it we will come so you know just putting that out there so ah speaking of building things uh, my last story is uh about a great conversation between diana tarazi who's in the WNBA, and just a iconic legendary women's basketball player um, i wanted to be Di- diana tarazi at one point because i just thought she was badass but yeah. she was on instagram live for a more than four hour instagram live video session with uh it was diana's wife uh penny taylor who was also a former uh WNBA player and a current assistant coach and Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. Um, and they had a great conversation amongst yes. other things. The biggest chat that they had <laughs> that I uh, wanted to bring up is Diana Tarazi called out rich women investors. Um, she asked, where are the rich women? I'm so disappointed in the women that have a lot of money. She said, sometimes you invest in things that don't make money yet, but you want to make them better. Um, So she's just kind of talking about just the state of things with women's soccer, uh, women's basketball, and just women's pro sports in general. And just saying like, you know, we don't have to wait for men to invest in this. Uh, You know, there, there are far more women investors than we've ever had. um, And just women with mounds of capital. So 
why aren't they investing in women's sports? Um, right. You know, we need that to just grow the sports and popularity. It's, you know, it's not like the games aren't getting better. Like the WNBA is so enjoyable to watch now. Um, mm-hmm. Soccer has always been enjoyable to watch. But yeah, just calling out the rich women investors um, and, you know, just taking the time to do that, you know, where it's like you could put your money here and grow it. And it's going to mean so much in the long run. But if we can't get guys to invest, then, you know, women have women have to step up with it. And I think it was a good point to make where yep. we don't have to keep on relying on male capital or male investors and money. And, you know, Diana was talking about wanting to own things uh, when she retires. Um, so, you know, everybody she had mentioned, everybody is like, do you want to coach? Do you want to be a GM? And she's like, no, I want to fucking own it, quote unquote. So, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's a good conversation because when I came across this article, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it was like somebody needed to say it. And, and you know, somebody as iconic as Diana Tarazi telling women like, yo, where, where are all the rich women investors? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, where are they? So want to put this out here and just wanted, you know, to have a discussion about it. We're both uh, big sports fans, but yeah. Why don't you think women investors invest in women's sports? What do you think, Shana? I think the hardest thing when listening to that, cause I watched, I didn't stay for the whole four hours, but I saw like a solid couple hours and mm-hmm. it was just like, it's a solid, point to make like we've had this discussion before i think with the women's soccer team as well where they're mm-hmm. looking for those women investors that are here i think that male investors just have room to just throw money in places and they because you know men are here for the investors and there's not as many women investors not even close to as many yeah. as male investors and so one, I think it's like harder to find. Two, I think once they've gotten to the point of making that capital that they aren't like pushing it in that area. Like how amazing yeah. would it be for Oprah to go and she could probably just like sit and throw all of her money on there. But we all know the journey that Oprah took to get to where she is and how much harder she probably still has to work mm-hmm. um, to continue being even like half as relevant. But she's Oprah and it's amazing. And like we don't have a lot of women that are on that like Oprah level, but we have a ton of men who are casually around Oprah level, you know, and it's just like subtly on the side and doing these things. So I think as much as I want more women to invest in the women areas, I think what makes it hard is that then they just come in and continue to repeat the pattern where it's like, great, I've invested in this. I've done these things. I'm owning it. And then when they go to try and get any sponsors or any more investors or anything else. It's like, well, why should I, then those sponsors and investors are like, well, why should we trust you? And it goes back to all of the fun sexism that we have here. But I think it would only just take one, one person, one person who is happy to be the face that speaks out and goes out. Cause I think that's one of the other things that like we don't get to receive is like, they went, excuse me, and did a whole tour on just speaking out about these things and what they need to do. Like Kobe was about to be on that track before his untimely passing, you know, and LeBron is stepping up to attract these things, but it's like LeBron, you can, you could afford to purchase a team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could afford yeah. to do these things. I mean, it, it's interesting because I think that's a good point that you made there where it's like, 
it's not just enough to have women investors. It has to be the right investors. Could you have a woman investor that like completely blows these things up? Like, or just like, I don't know, doesn't really kind of invest in the right things or have the vision for it. But it will take one prominent investor. Like if you had an Oprah, you had a Beyonce. If you had some of these other stars, you know, where they could even pool their money to, you know, you, you have like Serena who is part owner in the Miami Dolphins. I can't Serena link up with another athlete to you know, own some of these um, WNBA sports teams uh, mm-hmm. or just whatever, but, you know, that, you know, women who are actually in, you know, sports and make a considerable yeah. amount of money um, could also invest. So I don't know. Um, I think it's getting closer to that point, but maybe even in what I hope with this article and just Diana just putting this out there, it's like, yeah, it, just kind of inspires other women to step up and, and uh, maybe look to investing in sports. Like that's a real thing. Like you can, there is a whole segment of women who, and men um, who will uh, definitely support it. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe, you know, it, it at least planted the seed in somebody's idea that, that has the capital to do it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I also think that one of the key things that is happening right now is all of our big voices who are mm-hmm. helping to push this through and probably wouldn't even think twice about like returning and investing or anything like that. They're all playing. And then everybody who is ahead of us or ahead of like anybody who's in our current like frame of trying to make change and trying to do all of these things, they didn't receive the capital or the payout or anything like that for them to also be able to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are starting to step up. The WNBA just made that huge deal not too long ago, but still, even their like top price for a player is like what capped at like 1.2 or 1.4 million where men's football team makes stupid money. Like y'all could sit and donate like just casual 500,000 wouldn't even bother you and then keep it moving. Yeah. It's also, once you think about it too, like that kind of, uh, those salaries are easily met in like the NBA where it's like their bench players get paid more to sit down and clap and um, hand out handshakes than, you know, some of our stars in, in, in women's sports get. And there's always an argument about the, the sponsorship dollars and all this other stuff, but it's just like skill wise, they should be compensated. I know they did upgrade some things uh, for the WNBA players where I, I think at minimum, I think that they're supposed to be getting their own planes because they did have to fly a commercial, which is, mm-hmm. you know, once you think about it, just, just sports in general, but definitely for uh, basketball, since they have such a, a compact schedule, like, you know, that's, that's wild. Like they're professionals, but are they like, you know, so yeah. I, I just hope that it gets better in just different ways. And, and one of them being just more um, uh, female representation investors and everything. So Here's to that. Let's let's hope that it gets better and that Diana again planted the seed uh, to somebody and inspire somebody to step up or somebody's to step up. Yes, so we'll somebody. See. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that is our queer uh, events of the week, and we're gonna slide right into. Am I a bad queer? Our advice seg- segment um, that ranges all topics of the queer exper- experience. Excuse me. Words today are just. Whew. Um, send your questions to badqueerspod at gmail.com to be featured. Um, so the first one is from Tanner. Tanner asks, am I a bad queer? I don't have any queer friends. 
<laughs> That's interesting. I've been out for more than five years and I have yet to make a true friend who is also queer. So far, it's only been an issue when I want to go to a queer club or event and my straight friends aren't interested. Outside of that, I don't really long for a queer friendship. Does this make me a bad queer, Tanner? Oh, that's an interesting question, Tanner. Um, me personally, I don't think that makes you a bad queer at all. Um, you know, be friends with who, whomever, you know, enriches your life and makes you happy. Uh, I don't think they necessarily have to check a box. Um, I don't think you're a bad queer. I do think um, you should maybe organically look into having a queer friend, if not just to go to club and uh, queer club and uh, cl queer events uh, with, but I don't think that makes you a bad queer. Um, you should be friends with anybody who's going to fill a positive void in your life uh, or just be a positive force in your life. And that's regardless of uh, sexual orientation. But I think that you will find at a certain point that maybe you're not longing for one right now, but at a certain point, you probably will want a queer friend so i don't know what do you think shana i just wonder like why why don't mm -hmm. you have any friends is it the area that you live in is it that the queers are too much because we are sometimes is it <laughs> just like in most times you're just like oh i only like to go to these queer events every once in a while so i think it would be wondering like what separates queer friendship from straight friendship would be my question like i don't yeah. i don't see the difference Really? Or have yeah. you had bad experiences where you continue to be friends and then date and then break up and then that's on you? Again, making up stories, making up monologues that go with it. <laughs> no, but yeah, but, but I, I mean, it's intentional too. Like, are you intentionally like not making queer friends? Like, do you right. think that, yeah, we're extra? It's yeah. like as soon as, or do you like being the sole queer friend in your straight Ooh. friend group? And Ooh. then, but every once in a while, you just want to pull somebody in. Because I do know some people that are like that and they only like to be in straight crowds because they feel like the the unique one or the special yeah. one or the highlighted one it's like oh i'm the queer friend of this group like there's been skits there's been skits <laughs> about this where it's like oh you're the queer friend and then you have the other queer friend come in and it's like there can't be two of us right that's what i feel like out. is happening until they're like oh but i want to do something i want to do and then the straight friends are like well no that's not benefiting us and our friend group so yeah i would consider why you don't and what causes the difference and pay, probably take a look at you and see, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're a bad queer, but I would just say like reevaluate your friendships and like why. And also tell your friends to be better allies and come I to queer events. I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. Where I was just like, I am more than sure that you're going to the breeder events with them or, All you know, time. Uh, clubs. Straight I know you are. I know just being you are. Public, where it's a breeder yeah. sense, like a breeder breeding ground. And yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I feel like it is like it. Yeah, yeah. Do it, I, and would I feel like on them. Yeah, that's, that's that's interesting to me about it. Where it's just like you know you're only longing for one, or you feel the you feel the the void of not having a queer friend only when you're trying to go to a queer place and your straight friends don't want to go. I'd be interested to know why they don't want to go. Like. I'm sure there's a lot of breeder places you didn't want to go to, but you're a good friend. So like that should definitely be reciprocated. So that is another conversation, but I don't think you're a bad queer. Um, I would look into organically building a queer friendship with someone um, mm -hmm. because you need it. it's always good to have a queer friend. 
So yes. I don't know. Good luck, Tanner. Okay. Our next one comes from Meg. It says, am I a bad queer? I've never been to a prize celebration. Well, you're not going to go mm. to one this year either, Meg, but here we are. <laughs> uh, not a party, not a parade, nothing. This year will obviously be no different as most celebrations have been canceled due to COVID-19. I'm glad you realized this. Uh, is this something that makes me less of a queer or a bad one? Help. Help. Because she spelled it H-A-L-P. Help. I love um, help. Well, no. Because there are some people who think that pride is overwhelming. So, mm-hmm. and that's true. It, it's, it's a lot. Pride is a lot. It's a marathon, not a sprint. There are lots of events. There are lots of things. Um, don't feel obligated to have to go to all the parties and the parades. You may not be a party or a parade person. But be sure to check out all of the other events that they have. Like, especially if you live in a big city, big city prides have a shit ton of things. They have panels, they have special guests, they have smaller concerts that are more intimate and uh, less Workshops. people going out. Yeah, like less people having to go out. They have volunteer options. Like there are ways that you can join in pride celebrations. And maybe because this year is COVID 19 and all of them are moving digitally. Check it out digitally and see, like, is there something that's holding you back from having gone to a pride? Is it just that you keep missing it? Maybe because of family vacations? I don't know your life. So I would take the time to check out a virtual pride and see what actually interests you. Or if, I don't know if anybody's going to do like a makeshift parade, but I would be very impressed if somebody can successfully accomplish this. Uh, But then you can see all of it and kind of get a feel for what pride is like. Obviously, it's going to be different, but I think Pride's going to be different moving forward. So now it's going to be this whole new experience of Pride. So this could be your year and following year to try it. But it doesn't make you a bad queer. There's plenty of queers who have not gone to Pride. And there are some that purposely do not go to Prides because it's just it's too much for them. And that's okay. Pride's not for everybody. Yeah, that's what I would say. Chris, what would you say? Yeah, Meg, you're not a bad queer for not going to Pride. a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that pride should kind of hit a reset with everything because it's not as impactful as it needs to be. But um, yeah, this year is going to be a great year to check out a lot of digital prides and see what you are interested in. And, you know, maybe even connect with people who don't, you know, like parties or parades, because it sounds like it's specific to certain things. And, you know, uh, the parade and the parties aren't the biggest part of Pride. Um, as, as Shana mentioned, there are a lot of opportunities for a lot of different things, a lot of different events, event formats going on. So, no, you're not a bad queer for it. Um, but I wouldn't stay away from Pride or just, you know, I, I would dip my toe into the things that you would probably be interested in for Pride. So just a little toe dip, a little, <laughs> little maybe just the nail, you know, the toe, like not the full toe. but that's. Gross. It's a toe. We're trying to be inspirational and then it got gross. I'm just. Well, toenail dip then. Toenail dip (laughs) into pride. (laughs) (laughs) Toenail dip into pride this year and see, you know, how you feel about it and all that. So again, it's, it's, it's a lot of different programming uh, in real life and now online that's going to happen. We are looking to throw a digital pride celebration here at her. So, you know, yeah, check it out, Meg. You know, some good things in there for sure. So, uh, yeah, you're not a bad queer for it. But toenail dip into pride this year. I think you'll be surprised. Stop it. All right. So I'm going to toenail dip out of this uh, topic and into the next uh, and last question of the week, which is, 
am I a bad queer? I'm not out. I don't even know what I'd be out at. Why do you have to give these people these voices? (laughs) Why are (laughs) you doing it just like this? Well, I look, let me back up and introduce Ariel. Yeah. And this may be, may or may, but this may or may not be Ariel's voice. This may or may not be. So I'm just going to go with this might be Ariel's voice. So Ariel asks for my co-host. Am I a bad queer? I'm not out. I don't even know what I'd be out as. I've always been curious and I've had an encounter with a woman, but always steered towards men Mm -hmm. simply because that's what happened. Right. How do you know for sure your orientation? Does it really need a label? Ariel. Thank you for that question, Ariel. Um, And just even the voice that Ariel has in my head about this. Um, Okay. (laughs) She's probably pissed. Yeah, this is not not the way uh, she sounds. But uh, Ariel, you're not a bad queer. We didn't have 80 bad queers this week. Um, But you do need to figure out what feelings you have. I don't think you need to label anything. I'm definitely with the, the Gen Z's and the kiddos with like, Labels are lame, um, but they are also important for some. And definitely in our community, you know, we are heavy labelers um, just so we could add a filter to what we like and don't like about people. Um, but I do think you need to figure out your feelings. You know, uh, it's a, you've always been curious. You've had an encounter with a woman, but always steered towards men. How was that encounter with a woman? Like, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I kind of want the gossip on that. Yeah, do you feel more sexually attracted (laughs) to women or do you now know or have you confirmed in your mind that you could be in a sexual and a romantic relationship with a woman? Like, you got to kind of iron out your feelings with this. Um, You don't need a label. You don't need to be out before you figure everything out. Like, don't let anybody out out you or uh, feel uh, necessary that you have to come out. Um, Just figure out your feelings. Like, it's. It's nothing you you have to, uh, again, label immediately. And I think there is a lot of feelings figuring out that you need to do here, Ariel. Um, what do you think, Shana? Yeah, I think that the children have said it. Just like who you like. Like, don't stress yeah. about it. Don't put yourself, again, this is, I keep mentioning, like, why we created this podcast. It's like, don't put yourself in these boxes of what your labels are. I think a lot of people get stressed out around the label. And I don't know how old you are, but I'll, I can assume that you might be a bit older, like in your 30s, 40s, because you are sitting and looking at a label. Yeah. But there are some younger people who are still like, do I need one and do I not? I say, hey, do what you want. You're saying that I have had an encounter with a woman. I think a lot of people in life have had an encounter with a woman. Whether it's on a floppy frat room floor or just generally you and your bestie were sitting by yourselves and things just escalated. You know, people have had the encounters. And if you're always true towards men because they're just there and available, like I get it. They're just, they are just there and available sometimes. But I just say, don't even, don't even. I think you asked the right questions. Does it really need a label? No. The joys of being a bad queer. No, you don't need a label. So I would embrace your freedom and you flu- your fluidity and I wouldn't limit any of your experiences. Go out there and have a good time, but don't lead people on if you're not going to actually be interested. Don't be one of those people. 
that's just like, oh, I'm just here experiencing this. Like, be honest. If it's just a hookup, let them know it's just a hookup, et cetera. Yeah. Like, use that communication. But otherwise, don't feel like you need to be boxed in by a label. Do you, girl? Yeah, for sure. And Ariel, what a time to be alive for someone who doesn't like labels. Because <laughs> you can really get away. This is, this is your time right now. Like, you do not need a label for anything. Uh, don't feel pressured to. And yeah, that's why we have this whole podcast on being a bad queer. You don't have to do anything you think you need or required to do to be, to, you know, check a box. So um, figure out your feelings. Stay honest with people as always. Just please stay honest with people. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty much it, you know, and you'll, you'll figure it out and feel comfortable towards, you know, whatever you feel comfortable towards. So no, you're not a bad queer. That ends our Am I a Bad Queer segment. Uh, again, send your questions to badqueerspod at gmail.com to be featured. And yeah, we'll, we'll uh, tell you if you're a bad queer or not. Yeah. We've been having some really good queers lately. We're going to get some mm-hmm. deep into the emails and see what else we can find. So, right. Uh, but on to our next segment and our ultimate favorite segment What type of bad queers would we be if we did not have unpopular bad queer opinions? Chris, what is your bad queer opinion of the week? Ooh, okay. Uh, let me just start off by saying I'm not trying to uh, shame anybody, kink shame or sex shame anybody, but I'm just going to go out and say it. I think saying daddy during sex is weird. I just do. <laughs> I, I, I know this is, this is very specific <laughs> and very personal to me. Okay. Um, you know, um, is and that I, from personal experience, is there a I mean, story? I, I, I def- no, no, no real story. Even though every time it's been used or I do use it, I just, I don't know. I feel weird. It just doesn't fit. And again, this is probably just a me thing. Um, but it's my bad queer opinion. So I, I'm even more comfortable with zaddy and staddy, as I mentioned earlier, but daddy, it's like, there's a, I never called my father daddy. I've said dad and all that, but just even just introducing D-A-D in any sort of sexual situation to me, is just kind of... Does it just like throw you back to home or what? Like what? It what just, goes, it, does it make me think of my father? Yeah. In the yeah. middle of your sexual encounter? Yes. Because he's, he's dad, you know? Yeah. And okay. So then when somebody so he comes could, if, dad, he's, like, if, if my father is dad, then my father is daddy. So I don't want to say daddy <laughs> during sex because I don't want to think of my father. Um, and I can't not think of my father if I say daddy. So, you know, zaddy, staddy. But I just wanted to have this conversation out loud because I know this is a bad queer opinion. That's probably just I, I know there's a there's a small group of people that are like, no, I totally get it. They're yeah, absolutely. And other people yeah. continue to, you know, use it if it works for you, for sure. And, and not to, and to show that I'm not, I'm not centering, centering on just daddy. I think, you know, if you use mama or mommy <laughs> in a sexual way too, a little weird, you know, um, it, just something that doesn't have to do with parents <laughs> during sex. I just, I think it's the parent thing, whether your dad or mom was in your life, like, I don't know. I just, it's really weird. That's my daddy. Like, uh-huh. And again, I've had it said to me. I'm not the one calling anybody daddy. Yeah, but like what um, happened when it was said to you? This is the part of the story that I need to hear. Oh, I mean, I went along with it because my performance is all that matters. Um, wow. But you know, <laughs> in the back of my head, <laughs> am I like, mm, mm, you know, I'm good. Do I, I mean, like, pin it and bookmark it to like go yeah. back to afterwards? 
that yeah. was literally going to be my question was, yeah, no, 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 no. where you put a pin in it, come back and discuss. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to still focus on the for, performance like, kids. You got to, Make you sure got to finish the job, got to finish the job, can't drop off in your level of performance during that time. So wow. no, I stuck I a pin like in it. That's a but, solid advice part too, where you're just like, look, you can have something weird be said to you, just stick a pin in it and finish the job. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And let, yeah, in, in a sexual situation, unless you're uncomfortable or it is a consent or a no thing, definitely speak your mind. But right. anything else that's just a little weird, probably want to just stick a pin in it. Not, not the time to have the conversation. Make sure you... uh you worry about your performance uh, as well and pleasing that other person. That's you the, see that performance review and you yeah, want to make sure that you are. That's a pro tip. Yeah. You want to just wow. have like that as a, hey, like, you know, if you were to evaluate your performance, uh, which no one does, but if you were to sit down and have an evaluation about your, your sexual performance, you just don't want it to be like, hey, we stopped this time because you said daddy. You know, you want it to be like, oh, you know, this was great. By the way, let's maybe just drop the daddy from the next situation. And again, this is personal to me. So right. that's I mean, my bad queer opinion, but. Yeah. Weird. I mean, I feel like there are some people who probably agree. Like, I don't know. Like if somebody called me daddy doing the things, but I'm also not very dominant. So I wouldn't expect mm-hmm. that to be mm-hmm. happening to me. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun yeah. fact to learn about me. You're this welcome. is probably more of the uh, diet stud thing. Like this is probably <laughs> such a diet stud thing to say. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is something like, like Using daddy is like a solid dominant type move. And if you're not mm-hmm. that dominant type person, then this is, that's where it would, that's where it would fall, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for okay. Sure. For sure. I don't think that's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Maya, I'm proud of you. That was a good vulnerability yeah. moment of here's what happens in the bedroom and here's what doesn't. So now we yeah. know, but if y'all want to go on a social media spree and just tag Chris and say, what's up, daddy, I will not stop you. <laughs> don't put Great. that out there see ah, no. ah, you know see it's gonna happen. this this happen. was a safe place but now i don't, it's I don't absolutely feel, a safe place but um not as safe as it was a couple seconds ago vulnerable and open and sometimes people just take advantage of the vulnerability and sometimes you just yeah. gotta push them towards that it's fine yep. uh my bad queer opinion <laughs> is uh thinking to the future of when we are free from quarantine and we have figured out how to actually be around people again. Uh, and that when we start going back to like clubs, here's the thing I don't want to see when I go back to clubs is territorial studs and butches. Tell them. Okay. I Tell hate seeing those people that are just so like, and this is, and I want you to hear it till the end because it is not about your appearance. Okay, this is all about behavior. This is not about appearance. I love me a stud or a butch, a masculine center person. This is not about that. This is about the behavior that tends to, and yes, I'm going to say stereotypically comes from this area. Mm-hmm. But I go in and there is just like this corner of this person who looks like super masculine and is just like leaning, doing the thing. If I'm on the East Coast, I'm imagining a toothpick in there and just leaning <laughs> off in their corner. But you see like this imaginary bubble of them with their squad and they're just sitting there just like looking and judging the room and figuring out which part is their tor- territory and which isn't and which girl they're going to go up and talk to and claim their attention to that person. Like, and then when they get all like testy, when somebody comes up and talks to a person that's in their squad, but they're not dating. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a club. You came out here to be social with other strangers. Like don't sit and be that person. That's just makes it, seem hella intimidating and unnecessary and like i don't want to be there like no i don't have time for you i don't want to be a part of it 
And I want that to be a change in the club culture, especially in the queer club culture. Like we come out to party together and be unapologetically ourselves. I don't need you to tell me who I can and cannot talk to. Please. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a real thing. Um, and definitely has been a part. It, it was more of an East Coast thing, if I'm being honest. Uh, I've, I've now been in California for six years. But when I did party on the East Coast and live on the East Coast, it was definitely East Coast. Oh, my God. Where it's just the D.C. Like studs? D.C. studs. New oh York is actually the most prolific one that I can remember where it was like, wow, y'all aren't going to dance? Like, clubs are for fun and dancing. And I go into it thinking that. And I will... Um, as soon as I'm juiced and sauced, I will dance like a shit idiot and everything. And I expect other people to do the same. So like, I remember being in a New York club and this is well over 10 years ago now, but, um, Oh my God, the DJ was so good, but was playing all the New York hits of like just entire all bad boy records and Diddy. And that's As nothing but Diddy bops and all that, which you have to Diddy bop when you hear, a, a you know, any bad boys record or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was just a line of just studs on the wall, not bopping at all, not even toe tapping or, or toenail tapping, just sitting there and just like, you, so much. you know, and who knows what, <laughs> who knows, obviously what's, I, I'm not trying to judge anybody's like, you know, what goes on in their life or whatever, or why they want, you know, to present this way. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go behind it, but don't come to the club and be antisocial. Or just be like really on the defense, like clubs, at least our clubs, we, that should be our fun place where it's just a club. It's literally a clubhouse (laughs) where we're, we're connecting, we're dancing, we're having a good time. So um, I think the younger generation doesn't have that issue because things are more fluid and it's not as, uh, we definitely picked up some bad habits, I think, for our generation uh, Mm -hmm. that we have to unlearn. And it just being kind of mirroring a breeder club uh, where it is just like really territorial. Like you don't want to uh, either seem like silly or uh, caught off guard or I don't know what the reasons are. Never understood that in the club, but don't bring that back. Y'all leave that at home. Like literally in this quarantine, leave that at home, come to the club. You don't have to be happy go lucky or silly, but, or dancing like a shitty like me, but you know, don't be territorial either. You know, just, uh, chill out, you know, it's chill crazy. out, you know, step, step for meet a friend, talk to somebody. It's saying, okay. Do the, do the hitch dance. Just a little two-step. That's it. Keep it over that's there. It. Keep it in that box and then just keep it moving. I just, that's yeah, it. the defensiveness is definitely it. And that's what drives me crazy. I'm just like, nah. Yeah. And I want it to disappear from club culture. Yeah. I might do a series of these unpopular opinions on just like, yeah, just the the clubs club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole wing of just club things that we the can whole get into list. where it's like, don't do this. So yeah. 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 That was a good one. That's a good shot there. Good shot there. Shana. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> well, we've reached that time. Once again, you know, we hate to leave you, but we're not going to leave it on a sad note. We're going to get some shout outs to our faves. Mm-hmm. And I am so excited about this because this literally, this is so timely because this happened right before we started recording and we started recording late because I made Chris play the song over her screen so that I could hear it because fucking Beyonce and fucking Megan Thee Stallion did a collab H Town and I'm so excited. So Houston's finest. Houston's absolute motherfucking finest. Beyonce did not just come on and give like a short blip like Ariana Grande did in Lizzo's song. She came mm-hmm. on and did 
multiple parts. You hear her riffs in the background. And then she mm-hmm. came on and dropped some, what? We get we gave at least 16 count. Yes. Solid, 16 bars. 16. Yes. And I am so happy. And look, I know this is not specifically for queers, but they are both allies and I'm here for it. And also, you all know my love for Beyonce. So I could not be happier. Also, because... Beyonce is a charitable queen. <laughs> All of the proceeds for this song are getting placed to COVID-19. It is all being donated out to the efforts to help battle COVID-19. And that's all I can say is that I stand a charitable queen. I am a proud member of Beehive. And thank you both for just making my day, week, month for having this song out. I might actually learn the Savage Dance now and do that on TikTok. That could probably be our first video of me and just all of my Beyonce gear. And it is the Savage uh, remix that Beyonce jumped on today that was released today. And it is amazing. I, I, I still maintain that Beyonce should come out with a rap album because who can talk more shit that is real than Beyonce? Mm. And she's mm. a great rapper. She's yep. a great rap. She's immensely, if she re- released a rap album, she's top two. She's not two. Yep. So, you know, whenever she's ready. She's not I'm, too. I'm ready, but she she'll tell us when we're ready. Honestly, yeah, so. yeah. We're just living in her world, so whenever that queen is is ready, you know, mm-hmm. let us know. My That's ears it. are ready. Um. So yeah, shout out to Beyonce and Meg, and you guys go listen to that Savage remix featuring yes. Beyonce. Yes. Uh, my shout out is to Leslie Jordan. Um, I know Leslie Jordan from Will and Grace as a Will and Grace fan, but. Uh, a couple of weeks ago during this quarantine, uh, my wife had said, like, have you heard of Leslie Jordan before? And I'm like, absolutely. And just like wondering what was you know, going on and why she was bringing it up, hoping it wasn't bad news. But um, shout out to his little career resurgence on IG. He's been uh, posting some very entertaining and funny IG quarantine related videos. Uh, he's already a great and hilarious actor. Um, but yeah, just you know, fucking it up on IG with these really funny videos and just uh, opening up to a wider audience and a younger audience that may not know uh, him from Will and Grace or just some of the other uh, TV and movie shows that he's been on. But shout out Leslie Jordan um, on IG at the Leslie Jordan. Um, go check out in his profile and funny videos. Get it, Super Leslie. funny. Bring some positivity funny. to our quarantine yeah. lives. Gotta love it. Yes. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, that was another great week of uh, bad queer opinions and everything. I think we toenailed uh, right into that and out of it. I think we put our whole toenail into this episode. Um, If I say myself. I am so sorry. And I'm going to end this now before it continues and say we'll (laughs) see you next week. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by the Her App the largest LGBTQ plus dating and social app for women, trans and non-binary folks. Be sure to download the app in the Apple store and the Google play store. Shout out to Sienna Liggins for our amazing soundtrack. Be sure to follow her on all platforms at Sienna Liggins and for say sorry for making us sound like we know what we're doing. Hello?